0: The second lesson is from 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day recalling your tears I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy I am reminded of your sincere faith a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and now I am sure lives in you for this reason, I am reminded, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed then of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For this gospel, I was appointed as a herald and an apostle and a teacher, and for this reason I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard until that day what I have entrusted to him. Hold to this standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Would you pray with me? Blessed Lord, you who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our instruction. Help us so to hear them, to read, note, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and forever hold fast the hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For those of you who I didn't have a chance to talk to before the service began, my name is Harmon Thomas. I'm actually visiting from Montana. I had the pleasure of meeting Father Father Stephen and Lindsay at the Church Planters Conference uh, in Denver this past August and I decided that I would give uh, this young church planter a uh, a weekend off in preaching. So here I am. Um, I'd love to meet you guys after the service if I haven't had the chance to meet you already. Uh, This evening, I'll be working primarily with this passage in 2 Timothy. So if you wanna get your Bibles out, uh, 2 Timothy 1, we'll be looking primarily at verses six through 10. So I'll give you a chance to open that up if you would like to. St. Paul begins, or he doesn't begin, but he begins to say, for the Spirit of God is not a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. As a culture, I don't think we much know what to do with power. It's a loaded word for all of us. On the one hand, it's something like a dirty word that we try to avoid. And on the other, we associate it with this, the power of the Spirit of God and his gifts that he gives. On the one hand, we say power corrupts, and absolute power ab- corrupts absolutely. And on the other, we have verses like this in Timothy that we call power verses, for that God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but a spirit of power, am I right? (laughs) What Paul is doing here is offering us a bit of a corrective. What he's getting at here is that true power is found in the discipline of our master, even when that discipline calls us into suffering. True power is found in love and self-discipline, in discipleship, in becoming a servant, a slave of God, and saying, we are but unworthy servants, and we have only done what we ought. Somehow, this is true power, the power of a faith that can t- tell a mulberry tree to be uproot and be plant itself in the ocean. When we become disciples of Jesus, we follow him in his sufferings. As we, dis- as we discipline ourselves, as we carry our cross and die to sin and death that enslaves us, in serving Jesus, we come alive to this kind of faith, the kind of faith that puts to death sin, and that is real power, that is true power. So here's Paul's corrective, the power of the Spirit is bound by love. We have, not, we have been given a spirit of power and of love. This isn't a spirit of power alone, as though all that matters is the power or freedom to do whatever we want. This isn't worldly power, the kind of power that our world worships, the kind of power that corrupts. And So we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to give in to a spirit of cowardice. We have been given the very spirit of God, who is the spirit of power and of love. That is, the spirit of God isn't, or the the spirit of power isn't, this for the sake of power in and of itself. He doesn't simply free us from slavery to sin and death so we can have the freedom to go and do whatever we want. He doesn't give us power for our own sake. The spirit empowers us for the sake of others. The spirit of God reveals to us that the end of power is not in itself, but for the sake of the other. We see this in how affectionately St. Paul deals with Timothy in his letter, how he encourages him. Here's Paul, this man who's healed sicknesses, who's cast out demons, who got up and walked away after being stoned to death. This is a man of power. If any man had the power to do whatever he wanted, it's Paul. I mean, he had influence across the entire Roman Empire. It's not hard for us to imagine a man like him having his face pasted over every billboard in town and having a million Twitter followers. This is the kind of guy who would be speaking in sold-out arenas. And we'd love it, right? Because this is the kind of guy who, making his name great, more and more people hear the gospel, right? But no. The power of God that Paul exhibits is entirely for others. Look at verse 6. The purpose of the power that is in Paul's very hands is the power to give the gift of God. The Spirit of God is the spirit of power and of love. The, spirit of the, the power of the Spirit is the power to live for the sake of others, for giving gifts to the other. All right then, it's all about love. Let's get out there and love on some people, right? Let's get out there and let the Spirit move. Let's throw off the constraints of all this liturgy and let's prophesy over people. Let's go heal some people. Let's see the power move in this room. Let's see some spiritual fireworks, am I right? Let's see God do something big, right? For the spirit God gave us does not make us cowardice, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. What's self-discipline doing there? I mean, we get power and love, right? This is awesome. We love these words. These are exciting words. We can throw these words around with people out there and get them excited about God. But self-discipline? Come on, Paul. You're really dampening the mood here. So what is Paul getting at? Why has God given this this spirit of power? If you look with me further at verse 8. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us, does not give us cowardice, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So that is because you have been given the spirit of power. Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So why has God given us this power? Is it so that we can go out and do amazing signs? I mean, that could be part of it, but I don't think think that's the point here. Is it so that we can go and make a great name for ourselves, and in so doing, get more people to hear the gospel? Again, that could be part of it, but I don't think that's the point. The point here is that God gives us the power to die. To come and die that we may truly live. God has given us this power so that we can follow Jesus, so that we can be his disciples, so that we may not only have power and love, but that that power and love may be characterized by self discipline, that we may be disciplined into disciples. Because it takes discipline to love others, doesn't it? It takes discipline to love and follow Jesus. And I'll tell you, that kind of discipleship takes power. I can tell you right now, I do not have the power it takes to be one of Christ's disciples. Because where does discipleship lead Paul? It leads him to prison and eventually to martyrdom. Where does discipleship lead us? To the cross. To the, the power to follow Jesus is truly the power to come and die. So again, I ask, why has God given us this power? So that we may have the power to choose not a life of comfort and of fame or even of a reputation for doing great works for others. He gives us the power to love Jesus, to follow him, to share in his suffering. This is the power, this truly is the power to die, to share in the sufferings for the gospel to suffer the shame of belonging to a God who dies. A God who dies like a dirty scumbag on a cross. This is why Paul orders Timothy, do not be ashamed. Because the shame is so real here, real here y'all. So I work in a coffee shop in Missoula, uh, and people often ask me their why I'm what I'm doing in Missoula and believe it or not but it's actually not a super popular uh, response when I tell them I'm studying to be a priest. I know, I was surprised too. I had this girl come in one time and of course she asked the usual questions what are you doing in Missoula and I gave her the usual answer Um, and not at all out of character as soon as I said the words I'm training to be a priest I see this look of consternation and embarrassment come on her face. And she leans in and asks me this question as if my entire validity as a sane human being rests on my answer. But you don't really believe that Christianity is the only truth, right? Like, I mean, all religions lead to heaven or nirvana or whatever, right? I'll be honest, I felt the fear of shame right there in that moment. To have the audacity to claim that I know the truth That there is one way to God and that that is Jesus. I don't need to tell you this. I'm sure you know. You know how shameful this is in our world. You've been in this position, right? Whether it's about the exclusivity of Jesus as the way to salvation or if it's about sexual ethics or whatever it is, all of us who follow Jesus hold beliefs and practices that are shamed in our society and to believe that Jesus, the way to Jesus, the way to God is through suffering, through self-discipline, for shame. I mean, ours is the culture whose greatest sage, the great Jedi Master Yoda, tells us that anger leads to hatred and hatred leads to suffering, as though suffering is the greatest, is the thing that we must avoid at all costs. And here is our God who bids us come and share in the sufferings for the gospel, for shame. This is the shame that Timothy is faced with. Because at the root of all of our beliefs that our society considers shameful is our belief in a God who bids us come and die. To be a prisoner and a slave for him. Come, die to your desire for comfort. Come, die to your desire for sex. Come, die to your desire for relevance, for power, and for social clout. Come and carry your cross, Jesus says. In an inner world where freedom is our number one value and freedom is defined as having the power to do whatever we want, following a God who bids us come and carry our cross and crucify our desires, this is nothing less than shameful. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the crucified God, and all the world looks at us and looks at Timothy and spits and says, for shame. But do you know what the good news is? As the writer of Hebrews puts it, we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him. He, scorned, he, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Our God gives us a spirit not of cowardice, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Why self-discipline? so that we may suffer for the gospel, that we may take up our cross and follow Jesus. Follow him and with him scorn the shame of the world. Scorn the shame of fear and sin and death. And with Jesus cry out, O death, where is your sting? O hell, where is your victory? Look at the world around us. Do you not see how the fear of shame and suffering enslaves all of us? As as much as we talk about freedom, freedom to choose where I will travel, who I'm friends with, who I sleep with, where I go to church, which version of Jesus I believe in, the list goes on and on, as much as we talk about freedom, the reality is we're all slaves. We're afraid of the discomfort of self-discipline, the discomfort of discipleship, and that fear enslaves us, it rules our lives, instead of the discomfort of being disciplined in my sexuality, I'd rather just sleep with who I want or when I want. Instead of the discomfort of being disciplined by community, I'd rather just come and go as I please. Instead of the discomfort of following a Jesus who bids me come and die, I'd rather follow a Jesus who gives me the feels every Sunday, every time that he play, the band plays my favorite song. Don't you see? While we think we have freedom, we're really enslaved to the fear of shame and death and suffering. While we're constantly avoiding the discomfort of discipleship, we're comfortably avoiding the shame of identifying with anything that's not relevant or big or new. And so we spend our whole lives living, afraid and insecure, hiding in the shadows, terrified that someone might find us out, that we might not actually be as relevant or sexy or as interesting as we crack ourselves up to be. And that fear rules our lives. As the great theologian Bob Dylan once put it, you got to serve somebody. Either we're slaves to fear and shame and death or we're slaves of righteousness in Christ. you got to serve somebody, y'all. But this is the good news. This is the grace that Paul is talking about. In verses 9 and 10. The grace that was given in Christ Jesus, if you look there with me, the grace that was given in us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This is the power to die, yes, but the power to die so that we might truly live. Jesus gives us his spirit of power, love, and of self-discipline so that we might have the power to scorn the fear and shame that holds us back from the suffering of Christ, from the love of the Spirit. He gives us the Spirit who empowers us to carry our cross, to come and die and put to death all of the fear and shame and death that enslaves us. As Paul puts it in Philippians 3, I want to know Christ Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Why? Why, Paul? Why share in his sufferings? So that, becoming like him in his death, somehow I might attain to the resurrection from the dead. The power that Jesus gives us in his spirit is the power to die, to discipline ourselves, sharing in Christ's sufferings, as we put to death sin in our our flesh. The power that Jesus gives us is the power to choose the shame of the cross instead of choosing the life of independence and glory and freedom that our world loves. Choosing to become unworthy servants who have only done what we ought to have done. Because to serve God is true freedom, true power the power to scorn shame, the power to embrace that shame and suffering, the suffering it takes to be a disciple of Christ, the power to be free from the manic addiction to reputation, sex, and self by choosing the life and immortality that comes when you're disciplined by Christ. This is the good news of self-discipline. As we discipline ourselves, as we enter into discipline and discipleship together as the church, We respond to God's call to a holy life, and in this holy life is true life, life abundant. Jesus bids us come and die, yes, but the good news is resurrection. Yes, come and die to your desire for power, for sex, for comfort, or whatever. Come and die and become an unworthy servant of Christ. But in dying, we and our desires are resurrected and are transformed. True power, true sexuality, true comfort, true life are found in the grace of Jesus that we receive in the Spirit, this Spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. This is the long road of discipleship. It doesn't usually come with lights and fog machines and excitement. It doesn't always look like extraordinary healing or speaking in tongues or miracles. Of course, these things aren't bad in and of themselves. But what the power of the Spirit looks like In the day-to-day life is ordinary people becoming disciples, disciplining themselves to become more like Jesus. Ordinary people sharing in Jesus's suffering so, so that they too might share in his resurrection. What the power of the Spirit looks like is this here, what we're doing right now. It's not big, it's not up in lights, It's just ordinary people gathered together to be disciplined and discipled by Jesus. The liturgy we're participating in right now is discipling us to love Jesus. When we fast, when we confess our sins, when we say our daily prayers, when we come together as a community and put others before ourselves, when we share meals together, these are practices that we do that shape us to be like Jesus. I'll leave you with this quote from You Are What You Love, the new book by James K.A. Smith. Here, Smith tells us that the power of God is present in the ordinary, boring practices of self-discipline. And that self-discipline is what shapes us to really be like Jesus. He says, too often, we look for the spirit in the extraordinary. When God has promised to be present in the ordinary, we look for God in the fresh and novel as if his grace were always an event, when he has promised that his spirit faithfully attends the ordinary means of grace, in the word, at the table. Friends, may we receive this spirit of power, so that we can scorn the shame of saying we are unworthy servants, because we know that the discipline of serving Christ is the only source of true life. May we receive the spirit not of cowardice, but of power, love, and self-discipline, so that we may share in Jesus' sufferings and someday become like him in his resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.